Second Peter chapter three, if you would tonight. Second Peter chapter three. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. <clears throat> you bear with me, and my throat's tightening up here this evening. Anyway, this second epistle, beloved, I write now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of our Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to assemble together tonight. Thank you for your word. And I pray as we be, we be encouraged and strengthened and challenged from your word again tonight, and you would be glorified with the help. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as uh, you know, as uh, you all are aware, you know, the last few days have been a little bit discouraging, but half expected. So, you know, not really surprised, disappointed, to say the least. We don't know what what's in store for us. We know that it's not going to be the same, that's for sure. But, um, <clears throat> but despite what happens in the world, we are reminded here in Peter, and of course Peter is writing to those that are being persecuted and hunted and hounded and, and chased and, you know, by the Roman Empire during this time, uh, thrown to lions and all sorts of things. Uh, and he's reminding his hearers to be mindful of some things. And uh, so that's what we want to look at tonight. And, you know, we live in a, we live in a culture that has gone crazy. Um, they call it woke, woke. Um, it's sort of pronounced walk, walk, between walk and woke, you know, somewhere in there, you know. Uh, anyway, and, and, uh, and then I, I, I asked myself, I wonder what the definition for that is. So dictionary.com says this, having or marked by an active awareness of systematic injustices and prejudices, especially those related to civil and human rights. Now, Wikipedia describes it as a political term which originated in the United States, and it refers to a perceived awareness of issues which concern social justice, social justice, and racial justice. Now, the word perceived, perceived means to identify by means of the senses. 
So it's a perceived awareness of issues concerning racial and social justice. It's perceived. Uh, is something perceived a reliable way to determine right and wrong? Um, of course, the perceived things are, I sense you're all racist because you're white. And of course, you know, you might say something like this, because I know this to be true. Uh, I remember a friend of mine saying this one time, you know, I have a sense that you're a liberal because you're from New York. You know, I mean, if you think a guy's from New York, well, you think he probably is. You probably think he probably have a sense or perceive that he's a liberal. Well, he may be just as conservative as you are and dislike Kumu and Hillary and all them as much as you. Um, you know, this, this is really what this is, is a rejection of, of moral absolutes. And this is what our culture is deteriorated to. And, of course, uh, it has affected our political systems and our government and all that. And it's in our churches. They just perceive things. Um, and it has affected how, how we can witness to people. I mean, if they just perceive things right or wrong, there's no more absolutes. You don't have a good base from which to start. And the base you have to start with is there are some absolutes. The truth of the word of God is moral absolutes. Uh, you know, the, the, the Messiah or, you know, the Bible talks about the Christ, which the name means Emmanuel. It means that the God man or God with us, that is an absolute. And for a person to be saved, they have to understand that Jesus Christ is God. And, and, of course, the need for repentance. And, of course, that entails the, the idea that, uh, uh, the understanding that, that God is holy, they are unholy, and, you know, God is just, and, and He cannot overlook sin, and then sin needs to be paid for, and they are guilty of sin, and have to come to an understanding of all those things. But if there's no moral absolutes, then... How do you convince somebody of that? And so these are the these are the times in which we're living, and how it has affected uh, churches. And of course, churches have have tried to uh, water down the gospel to effectively try and minister to these kind of people, but but it doesn't have an effect. But despite all this culture in which we're living and the times in which we're living, again, Peter reminds us that. We need to be mindful of the things. The first thing he says is, I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, of our Lord and Savior. So we're to be mindful of the words, the words of God. And you know, he, he mentions the prophets who gave us the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, they were the mouthpiece of God for the Old Testament. And of course, then the apostles for the New Testament. So <clears throat> they were the ones that had given us the words of God and we're to be mindful of those words. We're to remember those words, not forget those words. He, he tells us in, in chapter 1, verses 15 
through 19, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able to, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. You'll see that word remember or mindful three or four times in this book. Um, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power of coming by our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto light that shineth in a dark place, unto the day dawn, day star rise in your hearts. Knowing this, that knows prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Peter's rehearsing that, uh, uh, that great experience he had on the Mount of Transfiguration when the Lord was changed and glorified in his presence and appeared Moses and Elijah with him, talking with him about his decease. You know, and you know, that would definitely have been a mountaintop experience that anyone could ever have. Yeah, he said, I have something more certain than that. And he said, we heard a voice. We heard the voice of God from heaven. But you know, Peter relating that story makes it subjective. Because John may tell a little different way, depending on how they view things or what they saw. But when you come to the Word of God, it's not subjective. It's not subject to change. It is what it is. You can't change it. You know, Peter Peter could have described the, the Mount of Transfiguration experience one way. John could have described it another way. From a little different perspective. And when you read the Gospels, you oftentimes you'll read the same accounts, but a go- different Gospel writer will say different things about the same account than the other writer did. Why? Because people are view things differently based on their experiences in life, but when you come to the words of God, it doesn't change how you, it doesn't change, or it isn't subject to how you view it. It is what it is. And so we're not to be mindful of our experiences, though we're not to discredit our experiences, and so on. We're learning to grow through our experiences, but we are to be mindful of the words of God. That's what's most important. You know, Psalm 138, verse 2, the Bible says, I have magnified my word above all my name. Now, when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, what did he say was the consequences for taking the Lord's name in vain? It's put to death. That would not hold him guiltless to take the, name, the Lord's name in vain. And there was a man who took the Lord's name in vain in, in, the, in the wilderness, and, and they brought him to Moses to see what should be done with him, and the Lord said, you take him out and stone him. And he says, I've magnified my word above my name. So we need to be mindful of the word. Just to be mindful of the word. We don't, we're, not to, we're not told in the Bible to be mindful of those out there. No, we're to be mindful of the word. The word. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Everything that we see in this world is going to pass away. But my word shall not pass away. 
And it's the Word that can effectually work in us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica. He says this, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, the word has power to change your life. It's the energy that drives that change. And if you want change, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in the Word. You know, they say you become like those you hang around. This is a living book. And it tells us about God. And you spend a lot of time in it. You're going to start to think like God. More like God. As time goes on. You're going to start to resemble more like the Savior as you spend time in it. Why? Because it effectually worketh. That word worketh is the inner energy or energo. Greek words energo. And so we need to be mindful of the words. We need to rest in the word of God. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, there's security in obeying the law. If you know that you're not being a lawbreaker, it doesn't bother you if police are around. But if you're a thief or a lawbreaker, the last person you want to see is a police officer or someone concerning the law. But if you're obeying the law, there's security in that. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, 130, the answers of thy words giveth light, giveth understanding unto the simple. And so, you know, in the face of what's happening in our country, no matter what happens, we need to be mindful of the words of God. Don't be ignorant. He says, we, we saw, be not ignorant of his promises. Notice verse 8 and 9. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we don't have to be ignorant of God's promises. Now, he didn't promise us an easy road. He didn't promise us, as Americans, that we're always going to have a Republican form of government and we're always going to have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to assemble. He didn't promise us that. You know, those have all been blessings of people who have been Bible believers for hundreds of years, for centuries. Those are all the blessings that have flowed down to us as a result of Bible believers for hundreds of years in this country that had great impact because they were a great group. But that's changing in our country. But we're not to be ignorant of his promises. 
that he that he will keep his promises. And this is, of course, talking about the promises of the future, because the, the preceding verses talking about being willingly ignorant of the, his coming. Verse 4 says, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? So, we need to, be, need to remember his promises. Don't be ignorant of them. Uh, keep them in mind and be looking forward to his coming and trust in his word. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says this, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other words, God knows there's corruption in the world. But through his promises, we can escape that corruption. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to influence us. It does affect us. You know, things that happen in Washington do filter down and affect us. They may affect your taxes. I can guarantee you they're going to affect your taxes. They may affect employment rates. Of course, I don't know how they can get any worse than what they are. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to affect us, but it doesn't have to influence us. No, we are to rely on and trust in the promises of God. We're to remember His promises and put our trust and our confidence in Him. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, let your conversation be without, without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So it may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man should do unto me. And so we need to, we need to trust his promises. In verse 13 of our text, it says, Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You know, those are some of the promises that he has given to us that one day that we are going to, that he is coming and he's going to, he's going to destroy this earth as we know it and create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Somebody has said, the promises of God will remove the fog of the morning and keep you in the sunlight all day. David said in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young, now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. 2 Timothy 2.13, I really like this verse, says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And if you are a child of God, he will not deny you. He will not forsake you. He will not forsake you. Even in difficult times. Even difficult times. So we need to remember to be mindful of the word, not be ignorant of his promises. We need to remember to be diligent. Um, verse 14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. The word diligent means 
has the idea of persevering or being careful, steady effort. It's like a careful, steady effort. There's diligence. There's continual effort. Uh, there's just, just, just a continuance here. Uh, in chapter 1, verses 5 through 11, chapter 1, verse 5 through 11, it says, and besides this, give all diligence. And so we're to diligently do all these things. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience, patience, godliness. You know, the idea here is we continually growing, giving diligence to your growth, to knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You know, so many times we get into difficulties. And we get bent out of shape or discouraged and we want to quit. And the Lord's just simply saying to us, look, be diligent. See this thing through to the end. There's many times in ministry, you have to endure things and see them through to the end. You have to let God take care of it. I mean, there's many times I want to use sledgehammers. You know, and straighten people out. But I can't do that. You know, I've had, I've had uh, a lot of nasty things said about me over the past previous 20 years. But you have to let it, God take care of it. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If we are faithful, if we continue to persevere, God will vindicate His own. He is a debtor to no man. He will vindicate. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we're called to fulfill his purpose. But he that is blind, verse 9 says, he that lacketh these things is blind. He cannot see afar off. He can't see how it's going to work out. How can any good thing come out of this? You know, we're reminded in chapter 3, that God's not in a hurry. A day with the Lord is just a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You let God work it out. He'll work it out. We just need to be faithful to Him and do what is right no matter what others may do. After all, we're here. Our purpose here is to fulfill His, work, His will for our lives. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, he says, He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which is given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. See, God has a purpose for your life. Just continue to fulfill and be obedient to that purpose. And so he says in verse 10, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. 
For if you do these things, ye shall never fail. You know, every one of us have a calling in life. You know, I, I don't like this term anymore, full-time Christian service. Because all of us are in full-time Christian service. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian full-time. Now, you may work at Raleigh, and you may you know, inspect things, and you may work for a building company, and you may work for, for Brantley or raise birds or whatever you do, but you're, you're in Christian service full-time. That's where God has put you. Serve God there. Serve God there. And in those things, be diligent to add to your faith, virtue and knowledge and so on. See, we have to continue to be diligent no matter what the world does. No matter what goes on in Raleigh or D.C. or wherever it is, we need to continue to be diligent and blameless. Another word there in uh, verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Don't give them opportunities to accuse you of of evil things. No, we just need to be faithful. Remembering the promises of God. Go forward, continue to walk with the Lord. Walking worthy of the vocation wherewith He hath called us. And then the fourth thing I want to just mention tonight. Beware of spiritual erosion. Notice verses 17 and 18. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So again, understand who Peter's writing to. This is, this is around 60 A.D. The, the, the Roman persecution is in full sway. And so he's writing to brethren that are being persecuted, and he says, just beware. Just beware. Remember those days, the pressure was that you would just offer a little incense to the Roman emperor, you didn't have to. You didn't have to say, "I give up Jesus." You just had to say, "I, I, I offer. I'll, I will offer a little Roman, a little incense to the Roman emperor also." And I'm sure there were some that did. And that would be falling or giving, being led away with the error of the wicked and falling from steadfastness. And Peter is encouraging the brethren, look, be steadfast. As Paul said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in work of the Lord. Don't give in to the devil. Don't, don't, don't give in to that roaring line. It goes about seeking whom he may devour. You know, and and this, this erosion can come just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Many of you have probably watched the movie Shappy. The end of that, I don't know if you remember the scene, at the end of that, he's an old man, and the young man who burned down the campground comes to see him. And at the end of the movie, he says this, 
He says, you know, they're going to take away this and that. And we're, he said, they're not going to take it away. We're going to give it up bit by bit. We're just going to give it up. We're going to give up our Christian virtues, the truths of the Word of God that we hold to. We're going to give them up just bit by bit until there's nothing left. And that's what's happened to our nation. We've given it up, our liberties, bit by bit. That's what's going on in our churches. Your churches don't go from fundamental to apostate in a year. It's a gradual process. A gradual process. And so Peter's warning us here. Be mindful of this spiritual erosion that is prevalent. It was happening then. In fact, some of the... They say that historians tell us that some of the worst corruptions came within the first and second century of Christianity. And study some of the so-called church fathers. They were heretics of heretics. Origin. Um, And so we have to be aware. Paul told the brethren, the pastors, the elders of Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, um, Acts 20 and verse 28, he said this to them. He called them to him, and they came and met with him. And he said, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He said there's going to be even among you. You know, we have to make the word of God a priority for our life. We have to keep preaching the priority of our church. And music that pleases the Lord. You know, the world and the church, the world has allowed the world and the church and has become entertainment. Seeker friendly. And so it has eroded, eroded away. No. No. We need to be aware, be mindful of the spiritual erosion that is around us and hold fast that which we have been taught. And so, as we think about our world, what's going on around us, what's happening in our nation, we just need to be mindful of the words of God. You are, again, our calling, our mandate has not changed. And we just need to continue to be faithful. Trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly.